This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding. And I'm joined once again in studio with Jim Sebastio. Jim, thanks for being here. Thanks, Brian. Good to see you. Good to have you. And before we jump into the topic, we would like to just ask you to uh, to help us with a couple of things. If the podcast has been helpful, would you go to iTunes and leave us a review? It helps us grow. It helps spread the word of the podcast. And if and if you would also just do that, let people know about the podcast we're trying to do here and the things that we tackle, the topics and for pastors and church leaders in particular. That would be that would be wonderful. If you could even help us financially, uh, you can go to the the webpage practicalshepherding.com and go to the donate button, and you can leave a donation there to help us and support us in a lot of the exciting things that are happening. That we're going to be actually announcing some some new. Um, initiatives in the ministry here in the next couple of weeks. So look for those uh, online. Jim, for the topic though, we're going to tackle you. Uh, why don't you explain the topic that we're going to be tackling in regard to um, uh, gentleness and patience in regard to the pastoral ministry? Would you elaborate a little bit on that? Sure. Well, uh, I think it maybe even those few words uh, say quite a bit. Brian, what I want to deal with is the fact that in ministry there is a tension uh, that we all ought to feel in regard to what does what does faithfulness look like? Faithfulness in in ministry look like? And sometimes when we consider being faithful, we think maybe of of, of, a, of a scripture like "faithful are the wounds of a friend," mm-hmm. and that faithfulness means saying the hard things. And faithfulness means confrontation. And really what, what faithfulness means is, uh, is is obeying what the Scriptures teach, and that there are times when that is exactly what faithfulness does mean. So Paul says uh, to Titus, uh, who is ministering in the Cretan culture, and he says Cretans are always you know, gluttons and idle beasts and all of this, and he says this testimony is true, Therefore, rebuke them. Uh, you know, I, I think well, it can be translated harshly or yeah. uh, stoutly, or you know, make it very clear, explicitly name their sins. Mm-hmm. But then there is also um, you know a text that's not just given generically, like you find in Philippians four, where it says, "Let your gentleness be evident to all. The mm-hmm. Lord is near." Mm-hmm. Uh, and then what we read in James, that the wisdom that is from above is peaceable, mm-hmm. uh, gentle, willing to yield. Mm-hmm. And then Paul's words uh, to Timothy, where he says to them, a servant of the Lord must not quarrel. Yeah. And that one of the, uh, but be gentle and, and, and patient. And if love is patient, and if love is kind, and if the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness, yeah. then that ought to mark us not out of not to be viewed as wimpy and not to be viewed as fear, but as being faithful. Well, and Jim, I'm also thinking about even Paul's words to Timothy, that that imperative we love as pastors to go to, preach the word, and explains how to do that, but then it says to do so with great patience and instruction. Right. So uh, there is this balance. This is really the, what we want to tackle today, this balance of of how do we be courageous lions, in a sense, as heralders of God's word and pastors who are to defend and guard the flock, and yet those who are supposed to be gentle, 
and right. kind and model that for our people and to receive our people in that way. Yeah, so we recognize, I think, Brian, that in dealing with a subject like this, that what is medicine to one brother may be poison to another. Mm. And that is that there may be somebody listening to this who's very fearful of confrontation, and he will take this and use it as a balm to never actually deal with the yeah. sins of his congregation. To be passive all the time, right. Right. And so um, I'm writing a chapter in a book right now for a friend in, in dealing with the subject of preaching to, to your people. And what I mean by that is it's easy sometimes to rail against Hollywood and homosexuals or you know this or that that's out there in the culture and yet yeah. ignore the sins and struggles and problems of your own people. Right. So it's easy to talk about the boogeyman and to be you know regarded as courageous and uh and what not and yet never actually say anything. So and then you can say, "Well, I'm trying to be gentle and patient." But I think there are other brothers and this is maybe more where you've dealt Brian and and practical shepherding as somebody who who comes in and they're convinced they need to, you know, reform a church or um, revitalize a church, and they go in like gangbusters, and they wonder why they they preached a sermon on a subject and nobody changed. You know, mm. I I told those husbands how to love their wives, and a week later, two different from, times, two different times, yeah. right? And I, had a, I have a friend of mine, and I try to be opaque about this, but I know I, I had a conversation with him. Uh, and some people I know were part of his church. He'd been there for two years, and he gave his "I'm sick and tired" sermon. Uh, and those go over well, by the way. Yeah, it's really, really <laughs> helpful. People love those. <laughs> they love those. But I thought, oh, brother, you know, <laughs> if if you're doing this in two years, you know, yeah. I, you know, you just got to be careful. You know, I'm sick and tired of dealing with the same things and the same problems. In the same sense, I get it. I know yep. exactly where he's coming from. Yeah. Um, but it's not helpful, I don't think, to to share that, to you know, vent your spleen and that that kind yeah. of a situation. And I wasn't there, so but but I had some people in the church tell me about it, and then he himself shared that you know he had grown frustrated. Um, so so I, I think we have to. Uh, if you're listening to this, what we want you to do at this point is. Be honest with yourself to determine, are you one that is a bit impatient and you're trying to just, you want to see change, you want to see it fast, and you're frustrated that it's not happening sooner, if that's you, or are you on the other end where you're a really patient person, you're gentle and you're kind, and but you are prone to, to being passive in right. general, and you have a hard time having conflict and pursuing people right. who you need to confront. So just pause at this moment. You the, the balance part of the balancing game is realizing where you are weak, where you are imbalanced in this conversation. Right. I think Brian, maybe for today's episode we're going to leaning a little bit more toward the gentle side of things. Yeah. Yep. So I'm thinking about one of the things that's hit me and struck me some time ago when I was preaching through what, you know, when Paul says to Timothy, all scripture is given by inspiration and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, Mm -hmm. correction. And then it's often translated instruction and righteousness. And Mm -hmm. and I'm sure you're familiar, you may not off the top of your head remember, but you know, the word that he uses there is a word that can be translated child training and training. So, Mm -hmm. but child training, and so you ask yourself, how does a child learn? Right. So have you ever said to your one-year-old or your two-year-old, 
I told you one time, <laughs> you know, don't stick your head, you know, just don't put the spaghetti on your head. I don't understand. I told you that last week. Yeah, right. And you don't get it. Well, uh-huh. no, you, you know, some of you say, brother, you're abusing your child there. That's yep. not the way a child learns. A child learns through simplicity and repetition. Yeah, uh, that's not so they don't get it the first time, and, and it was very helpful to me yeah, to that realize that. All right, I, I, you know, there is a part of this where I'm dealing with spiritual children mm. and spiritual young people, and you know, so you have both mature and immature people. But sometimes, yeah, they do need to be told. They don't get it all at once. And the New Testament uses that imagery all over. Even just think about the, the, the the idea of milk versus meat and, exactly and i mean this is a this is a very helpful imagery for us to understand who we are preaching to and trying to care for the souls of every every week right so yeah so the writer to the hebrews does tell them i, I ought to be able to tell you other things mm-hmm. but i have need and this is because he knows them. Mm. And his real concern is not just to vent his spleen and be faithful. Right. Well, I told them what they need to do. Well, great, but that's not where they're at. And they're not right. able to digest that right now. So it's not faithful to put a steak in front of a one-year-old and then shame them into not being able to eat it. It's just mm-hmm. it's a, it, you lovingly recognize, all right, you know, maybe you're coming into a revitalization, and the guy before them was a— uh, you know, was a guy who didn't teach line upon line precept, didn't teach doctrine, mm-hmm. and so they choke on it at first. Well, that's you have to recognize. All right, like, like I saw um, some of the video of like the soldiers coming and liberating the concentration camps, mm. and these guys come out starving, right? And the soldiers then started like opening their ration packs and and trying, and, and, and a doctor had to come out and say, "You're killing them." Yeah, you can't just grab. You can't. Yeah, they can't. They can't eat a block of cheese right now. They can't eat that bread right now. That you got to give them, and it seemed cruel, mm-hmm. but love dictated that you recognized where they were. And yeah, yeah, a little bit later on, they're gonna eat that cheese and eat that steak. Mm-hmm. But when you try to force that on them, and Brian, I, you know, I'm a pastor, you're a pastor, and so we're not. I'm not accusing anybody. I'm just recognizing in my own life. That there was that bit of pride in me that thought, well, my ministry is going to be different, mm. and, and because I'm doing it right and I'm saying it right, it's going to produce these effects on this timetable. Yep, and um, and and that was wrong of me, and it led to sometimes frustration, and it led to an unrighteous judgment uh, of where people were. Uh, yeah, it, it didn't mean you coddle them in their sin. It doesn't mean that you excuse sin. It doesn't mean you excuse disobedience. But then you also, though, recognize this isn't going to happen overnight. Yep. And that's what I think You know, our ministry is often geared toward guys newer in ministry. So, Brian, how did you deal with that, opening that up with you came in, there's a lot of stuff that was, you know, you, how are you going to deal with it? A lot of things that were frustrating, a lot of – Yep. interactions and attitudes that were hard. How did you go about this, or did you struggle with this early on with this balance? I Sure, I did. And I first needed to realize I needed to approach with, with a balanced perspective. I often find with guys, we're pastors who are doing revitalization, but I think this is true just across the board, is that you have to figure out when is it time to fight Mm-hmm. And when is it time to just love? Mm-hmm. And I would add to that, though, you don't ever want to go into a fight with there being the absence of love. Right. So I would find that I, w- I would I find myself often having to challenge people, 
pastors in particular, you have to be honest with yourself on how much how much do you feel a love for these people? Exactly. And love is usually you said in First Corinthians thirteen. I mean, love is patient and right. it's kind. the The first sign that a pastor has to uh, do that sermon that you talked about earlier. The you know I needed to tell them what I thought kind of kind right. of sermon. Um, the first flag with that kind of sermon for any time you would preach it is you have to be honest. Is, am I approaching them with a loving spirit at right. this point? And most of the time, there's not love in those kinds of sermons. Or I, I would be willing to say there's just not love. The, the essence of that sermon is coming out of anger and frustration and impatience. Even if you want good, it's still not a loving way to approach somebody, especially right. in the early years of a ministry. Yeah, and I think you need to recognize in that, am I dealing with sheep or am I dealing with goats? Right. And if I'm dealing with sheep, again, I need to recognize that some of them have been starved. Yep. And some of them come with, yeah, they come with theological prejudices. So, you know, so I'm reformed, right? So I'm going to go in, I'm going to teach, you know, uh, I'm going to do 62 messages on the sovereignty of God and the five point, you know, so that everything eventually gets around to make right. them reformed. Right. Um, and to recognize that may not be God's great desire right now. That may not be on his timetable that you know there is that milk of the word the very basics and the fundamentals and the gospel and the preciousness of christ and um you know all of those kinds of things that he wants them to get at and 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 i do i do think because we're dealing with one or the other and depending on where you're at again there may be some brothers who need to hear like what paul said to the corinthians you know shall i come at you how am i going to come to you do i come with you do i need to come to you with a rod right yep and, and what he's saying is that, listen, you have heard enough, long enough, that there is a culpable resistance to the word, mm-hmm. which is very different than coming into a situation where they've been theologically famished or they're new believers or coming out of the world. And so, you know, like I, I've been stunned sometimes to think about Paul saying to the Ephesians, let him who st- steals steal no longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, let, you know, uh, put aside lying and speak the truth. Like, whoa, 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 wait! Are you saying there are liars in the church and thieves in the church? Yeah, and Paul has or, that and, history with right, the Corinthians right. and others to right. be able to and, and say in those things. First Corinthians, he says to them, you know, hey, you know, you can't keep going to the temple prostitutes. Dude, really? You know, you still have to tell them that you you have to tell yeah. Christians that, yeah. and, and you know, it, it, you know. So there is that there. There's an important recognition attention. There's something important to say in the midst of this, though, when you think about the balance of going in and being strong and courageous for truth, and being patient and loving with the flock. Right. Is and that in regard to you saying some, whether there's wolves or sheep there? Well, that's a really important question. The problem is a lot of pastors go in and get frustrated and too quickly conclude they're dealing with wolves when they're dealing with immature sheep. Right. So it would be, you know, to use your illustration. Or goats, maybe goats is a better term than wolves. But yeah, yeah, well, but, you know, yeah, but, but so that idea that uh, because we get frustrated with people, this person doesn't like my preaching, they instead of seeing that they've been starved of doctrine and truth and they don't know how to receive it, we quickly conclude they don't they're wolves they're goats they don't right, like right, right. they don't like the truth and and that's and that's who I'm dealing with so I got to come at them one of the worst things a pastor can do early on in his ministry is to misdiagnose 
immature sheep to be goats or wolves right. and to then treat them that way. And by the way, just as in regard to a lot of churches that, that pastors come and go, this is why churches are left in such terrible condition. Right. Is because if a pastor comes in and one doesn't have a mind to to shepherd even and preach like right. he should, he comes in and he treats immature sheep or wounded sheep right. as goats or wolves and treats them that way, gets mad and leaves. The next guy comes in and inherits that. No right. wonder it's a mess. Exactly. And then that repeats four or five times over the course of 20, 25 years. No wonder our churches are an absolute disaster in a lot of these ways. Right. So, right. So what we're saying here, obviously, is that gentleness is in some ways a key toward to a long-term and effective ministry. I would say if, the if, def- you, if you don't have the gentleness, you're not going to have a long-term ministry. Yeah, the default. I, I want to encourage pastors listening to this. Regardless on where you are in the balance of this, especially if you're in the early years, the things that you need to fight for and be courageous on should be obvious to you. Mm. If if you have a if you have a leader in the church who all of us who you find out has had an adulterous affair for the last two years with somebody else in the church, they're both married, and everybody is is just kind of accepted this is the way it is because they're in love. Sure. That's a problem. Like that, right, you go right, yeah, fight yeah, for that. that. I don't right, care whether that you, you don't you don't wait and wait and wait. Two on, months right. or two years or twenty years. Like you right. go and fight for that. There's certain things I call fireable offenses. Exactly that you go after. So I'm just saying that in your early years, like be wise. The things that you really need to go fight for and co- be courageous about are oftentimes going to be pretty obvious. The things that are not obvious are probably the things, at least in the early years, you need to be patient with, and be patient, uh, instruct in love and kindness, because you have to remember that if you're a shepherd, you have to prove to the sheep you love them and that you are trustworthy before yeah. you're able to then go and tackle a lot of the hard things. Yeah, and Brian, I don't know about you. I, I, I can say you know that, that there were truths that when I first heard them, I, I, I struggled with it, you yeah. know, um, and I'm thankful that somebody didn't give up on me. That's you right. Know, they, me they, too. They were patient. And loving, they knew when to you know when to kind of you know move forward and and when you know you know strategically retreat and say okay well, all right I'm gonna you know put a pin in that we're gonna come back to that mm. because she's not ready yet and yeah. you know, Jesus said that to the disciples I have other things to say to you you're not ready to receive it yet mm-hmm. uh, that's not unfaithful right that's that, right that's that's faithful yeah. that and, and it's that ability to know and discern and again we can have that tension even in our own heart between our confidence in the truth and what the truth ought to do and a confidence in ourselves and what we're offended at is not that you heard the truth is that you heard me preach it and you're not following in line and and to recognize just that that possibility in our own selves and i said because i've seen that in me And, and i'm really more offended that it was my careful clear exposition that was rejected and not the truth itself and you know we had to have to have in from our from the heart the attitude of samuel well, when the Lord said to him, they're, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes that is the case. They're, they are rejecting God. They are rejecting God's truth. Right. And not just your, you know, impatience. But that, that comes with the wisdom of knowing and loving and patiently living among your flock. So as, we're, uh, as, as we kind of move to wrap this episode up, what I'd like to do is, can you let's mention just maybe one or two things, Jim, that each of us, that we want to encourage the listeners 
to, to consider about themselves and how they can walk in this. How can they become aware of, are they really being patient? Yeah. Or are they not being patient? Or are you being cowardly? Or if you are, are you being cowardly? <laughs> right. yeah. So what's maybe, what's maybe a thing, one or two things that you would mention to pastors listening to this that would help them just be able to discern that in their own life as we wrap this up? Yeah, so two things come quickly to mind, Brian. One of them is... Um, a deeper acquaintance with the word. The more I studied the word, the more I, I, I study the heart of the, 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 you know, both the apostle Paul and recognize where he was very patient with a lot of things that were wrong in the churches. And you go back almost every church has things that are wrong in it. And then also with that, how Jesus handled particularly the churches, the seven churches of Asia minor, mm. really kind of steep your heart and your mind in that. Mm. And the second thing, maybe I give three things. The second That's thing fun. is, 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 Really get to know the heart of your people, yep. and you'll you'll eventually begin to discern: is this is this real spiritual resistance or is this immaturity? Yeah, there's no shortcut to that. And, is and there? the third thing is, when you're really struggling, don't get around other young bucks uh, preachers. Mm-hmm. Get with an older man, yeah, who's pastored good. the same church for a long time. That's good, uh, but who's maintained his faith, his faith, his love, and his integrity, and, and kind of let him talk that kind of truth into your own heart about mm-hmm. where you're at. It's good. Uh, I'll, the two things I would add is, first of all, you what, <clears throat> what you inherit, you are not responsible for. Mm. And I think what I watch a lot of guys go into, they go and become a pastor, they become the pastor of the church, yeah. and they look and they spend the first six months seeing what a disaster the church is. And all of a sudden, they're like losing sleep at night because all of a sudden now they're going to answer for this mess to God, mm. and they got to fix it real fast. And right. I just want you to, that if you're in your first few years of that church, you're not responsible for most any of everything you inherited. Mm. You're responsible for stewarding what you have been what you are stewarding in that moment, right? What you preach from the first week you're there, you're you're, you're, you're going right. to answer for that. How you lead from that, you're, you're going to answer for that. But I tell guys, you know, in regard to like an a, an inaccurate membership role, and we care about soul care and knowing every individual soul. Hebrews thirteen seventeen. I tell guys, you're two years in this list. This is a mess. You're not responsible for this right now. Right. This is you inherited this. Ten years from now, okay. Well, let's have a conversation about that, but right. not right now. So first thing is re- relieve the pressure from yourself. Mm. You somehow are responsible for whatever mess you inherited, and you're responsible for what you uh, have and steward from the moment you become the pastor, Good. not what you're inheriting. The second thing is just love your people where they are. It's really easy to go in, and this goes back to what you said about just knowing your people, mm. but go in and just accept your people and love them where they are, not where you want them to be. Most of our frustrations and our impatience uh, comes out of, not because we want to be just heralds of the truth, Right. it becomes, it's because we want to see them grow faster than God's ready to grow them. Mm. And so, you know, we plant and we water, but God gives the growth. So I would encourage you to just accept and love your people where they are. And begin your ministry knowing God's the one that's got to do that work. So, Jim, will you pray uh, for pastors listening to this, not just that they'll be patient and gentle. That's mm. really what we've been talking about. Pray that they would find the balance, because we mm. do not want to be cowardly right. as well in the midst of this. So right. pray that we find the balance in this. Will you do that? Yeah, thank you. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this time to discuss your word and Lord, we do pray for every brother listening, whether they've been in ministry for a short time or a long time, 
you know, all of us need, Father, the, the ability and the power by your word and by your spirit to lovingly and gently and faithfully lead your people. And so, Father, we pray that where there is cowardice in our hearts that prevents us from the con- confrontation with sin, where there is impatience within us that would cause us uh, to deal with people's sin in a way that is ineffective and cruel, or rather, we pray that we would know what it is uh, to walk like your son walked, to uh, have the help of the Spirit that Paul and others have known. Give us that help, we pray, Father, for your glory and the good of your people, and even, Father, for our own, our own sake and for our own health, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.